Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 130 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Also, uh, if you want to learn uh, and know about the release dates of the episodes uh, and the titles and the breaks and all these things, you can follow me on Instagram at delvingintoislampodcast. Again, delving into Islam podcast. Uh, and now, this podcast is uh, for anyone, literally anyone, whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam, or if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim all of your life and just want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic is a continuation of you know our last episode talking about the Antichrist. And we almost ended the episode with the fact that the Antichrist is alive. He is, right now, as we speak, alive. And the interesting part about this is that um, we will tackle today an, one hadith by the Prophet There's one authentic hadith that we will tackle and explain and analyze and all of these things. So the entire episode today is about one hadith that basically talks about a story that happened during the time of the Prophet and the ramifications or basically the results or the conclusion that it's very explicit that the Antichrist is alive. So we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the the controversy of that hadith with 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 small amount of scholars, very respectable but small amount of scholars, and we'll talk about everything. So today's episode, we'll we'll talk about that story. Also, is we're gonna get into a little bit of an advanced uh, science of hadith to dissect and, like I said, analyze uh, this hadith. We need to go a little bit in in advanced territory. And inshallah, it's going to be a very beneficial to all of us. Uh, and it's going to make us learn a lot about the concept and the science of hadith. And also know about the Antichrist and you know what, what's what's happening right now. Because as, we, as I speak right now, as you are guys listening to me at this moment, and until you know he comes out or he emerges, the Antichrist is out there. You'll never find him. Just again, you'll never find him. The governments won't find him. Nobody will, will, you know, will be able to find him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed, according to the hadith, a group of people, of, of, of Arabs, to find the Antichrist for us to learn of his existence. And that was it. Okay? Um, now, the hadith starts with this. The Prophet wasallam gathered all the companions in the masjid, in his masjid, in his mosque. And he seemed very excited. You know, he gathered everybody. And by the way, this hadith is narrated to us uh, uh, like the main hadith, the, the main one, uh, through Fatima bint Qais. Now, she's not Fatima, his daughter. There is a companion, a female companion by the name of Fatima bint Qais, who basically told us 
you know, the, the entire hadith. And then we found out later that other companions narrated the same hadith. We'll get to that after, you know, we tell the story. So again, the Prophet ﷺ seemed very excited when he's calling everybody together. He's gathering everyone, you know, uh, after the salah. So they all were praying. There was nothing going on. And then everybody's about to leave after the salah, after the prayer. And the Prophet ﷺ said, no, 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 come here, come back, come back. He sat down on the pulpit, you know, on the mimbar. And he basically was very excited. He seemed very excited. And he said, everyone stay, stay put. Like stay where you you know used to sit or stand while you're praying. Just don't move. Stay in your spot. And then they all looked at the Prophet and he said, "Do you know why I gathered you now? Right? Because again, everybody was about to go home. But the Prophet said, "Stay put." So he said, "Do you know why I gathered you now?" They said, "Allah and His Messenger know best. You know, we don't know all Prophet of Allah." He said, I did not gather you here because, you know, I wanted you to be here for, uh, an, uh, you know, unimportant reason. I gathered you here because Tamim al-Dari, Tamim al-Dari is a companion at the time when the Prophet was uh, talking about, you know, t- telling everybody the story. The Tamim al-Dari was, used to be a Christian and he became a Muslim. He took the shahada, he became a Muslim during the time of the Prophet wasallam. So the Prophet is saying Tamim al-Dari And by the way The hadith is famous with Has two names The name of the hadith Or the title of the hadith It is called The hadith of Tamim al-Dari Okay The story of Tamim al-Dari uh, Or you, Other scholars they call, so the, Some scholars call it The hadith of Tamim al-Dari And other scholars call it The hadith of the Jassasa And the Jassasa in Arabic Comes from a spy the word spy. And I'm going to explain to you what does that, how, why is that, you know, name or title. But anyway, he said, Tamim al who is a companion right now, he's telling them, used to be Christian. You know, so uh, he's telling them he came and he became a Muslim. He took his shahada. And then when he came, he told me a story that is matching to something I told you before. Again, the Prophet is saying when, when Tamim al came to take his shahada, came to become a Muslim, he told me a story. Something happened to him before he became a Muslim, while he was Christian, right? So he told me about that story, and that story exactly matches something or some things that I told you about the Dajjal or the Antichrist. Then the Prophet started telling the story. So, Tamim al-Dari was uh, on a ship, okay? He was on a ship with 30 men from the tribe of Luhum and Juzam. These are the name of, uh, of Arab tribes. And again, those tribes, some of them were Christian. And basically, 30 men uh, uh, plus Tamim al-Dari were on a ship. Then the, the weather was bad. And then there were high, like a lot of, you know, strong waves that kept, you know, taking the ship left and right, east and west for an entire month. Okay. And basically, uh, of course, they had their food and, and water. Like it's, it, it was fine that there are, you know, some people stay on a ship for more than a month, you know, for a couple of months, actually. And at the end of the day, you know, um, the, 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 the waves took him to an island. And of course, you guys know from the title of the episode, which actually sounds like a title of a movie, The Island of the Antichrist. But that's 
truly, you know, the story that we're talking about, it took him on an island. Okay. And uh, basically, uh, they, uh, and they say the island was somewhere, uh, you know, where the sun was setting. And they uh, sat uh, close to the to the ship. So the ship took him there. They got off the ship. The ship was still stuck on the island. And they sat down, you know, close to the ship. And then here's where it goes very interesting. Like the story becomes very interesting. They see a beast. Now, a beast is another word for an animal, right? A beast is another word for an animal. And that beast came to them and it didn't look like any, what's the word, any earthly known animal they've ever seen or ever heard of. They said that that beast or that animal was covered in, in hair. You know, it was covered in, in, in hair or fur to the degree that they could not tell the face of the animal from its behind. No joke. Even the face was covered with hair. It was just a hairy animal and the hair was long and they could not, again, tell the, the, the features of the animal from the amount of hair that it had. But it was an animal. And then, and it walked on four, of course, it was an animal the animal started talking to them. Now, don't mix this beast with the talking beast that we will talk about later in the future because one of the major signs of the Day of Judgment that the Prophet explicitly told us about is a talking beast, a talking animal that will emerge and talk to mankind as a sign, uh, as a major sign of the Day of Judgment. That's not the same beast. This is not what the Prophet ﷺ talked about as a major sign. I just want to make that clear. This beast on the island, on, on this island, is not the same beast that the Prophet ﷺ, uh, told us about regarding the major signs. Okay? So those are two different things. The beast that will talk to mankind didn't come out yet. It's, it's going to happen towards, you know, closer to the Day of Judgment. Okay? I just want to make that part clear. So the, the beast, again, started talking to them. And they basically uh, said, um, uh, what is this? Like they, 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 they freaked out. Again, it was something that they've never seen before. And they said, what is this? What, what are you? What, what is that? And then the beast said, the animal said, I am the Jassasa, which is aka the name of the uh, the name of the hadith or the nickname of the hadith. We don't na not name hadith, but again, it was the nickname that the scholars go by when talking about this hadith. And the word jassasa means the spy. Coming from jasus in Arabic, jasus in Arabic means the spy, okay? So uh, it says, I am the, the jassasa, I am the spy. And she said, okay, all people, now, of course, they said, what are you exactly? What is this? This is like, is this, what is this? What, what is this trick? And it didn't answer their question. Like it didn't say what it was, but it said, oh, people, I want you to go inside the island and meet someone in, in, in kind of a building. There's like a building or a temple, whatever. And there's someone in there and he is waiting for you. 
He is waiting for you. He can't wait to talk to you. And of course, they uh, heard the beast talking, the animal talking. They thought it was a shaitan, a devil, a demon. So they started running away from it. Again, it was a very weird, odd situation. To them, it was a supernatural thing, of course, because, again, it's an animal that's speaking, a weird-looking animal that does not look like any animal they've known or seen. So they started running away. As soon as, as, soon as it said to them, hey, go to that temple or that building, there is a man who can't wait to talk to you. And basically, they started running away from it not caring about what, what it said. And they kept running, running, running until they saw a building. So again, they didn't pay a lot of attention. So they ran inside the building, running away from the animal. And when they walked in, they saw someone who was shackled, chained and shackled. And basically his hands, his arms were chained to his neck. And his knees were chained to his ankles. Again, so if you can imagine it, when you see people like prisoners back in the old day, you see that they will be, you know, chained, like their hands or arms will be chained to their, chained to their necks. And their, their, their knees or their legs basically chained to the, so they can stand up basically. And he looked very intimidating. They said he looked very intimidating. Again, th there was a man who was chained in a very, obviously in a very secured way. And he was not standing nor sitting. He was just, like I said, shackled uh, in that way that he is uh, probably on his knees and his hands or arms are chained to, his, chained to his neck. But he can speak. And they said he looked very intimidating okay now they said who are you like the the, the first question is they said who are you now this is all tamimi daddy is telling the story okay so they said who are you who is this he said i want to i'll tell you just just wait i just want to i have a few questions to ask you okay i have a few questions to ask you First, tell me who you are. I want to know who you are. They said, we are Arabs. And then they told him the story. We got on a ship, you know, there the were strong waves. And then we ended up in this island, you know, on this island. And then we saw this weird looking beast and it spoke to us. And now we're here talking to you. So they basically summarized what I just, you know, what I told you in the beginning of the story to that man. Uh, I also want to point out that, uh, you know, in the context of the hadith, that the, the reason why the, that animal was called the, the jassasa or the spy, it was never given to us. So we don't know, you know, why it was called, uh, you know, the spy. However, the scholars said, and it makes perfect sense, that it was given that name, and again, it was called that name by itself. Like that, the animal itself said, "My name is Al Jassasa or the Spy," because it was spying on behalf of the Antichrist or the Jet. And it makes sense because if you think about it, look at the situation. He is shackled. He is chained inside of a temple. He can't move. 
And the animal, you know, now the animal obviously does not leave the island, but it's there on the island. Whoever passes by the island, and we, we're pretty sure that it was only this group, again, that we know of that passed by the island. Maybe others passed by it and, you know, they, they didn't make anything out of it or, you know, they thought it was something, you know, whatever, like supernatural. We don't know. The story that we know of is only the story of Tamim Daddy. But again, we're pretty sure that it's been waiting for someone to come. So, you know, it could extract information or at least help the Dajjal or the Antichrist to extract information from them. Because as, you've, uh, as you as you know can hear right now, he is asking them questions. He started to ask them questions, questions because he wants to know certain things. So that's why probably the name the spy was giving to this animal because it's like trying to recruit people. Yay, come. Uh, he wants to talk to you hey come he wants to talk to you you know what i mean so yeah that was uh regarding the name then he said tell me about the palm trees of baisan or baisan tell me about the palm trees in baisan and and by the way baisan or baisan is a city uh, a place in palestine in palestine so he said, tell me about the palm trees in Baisen. Uh, are they still fruitful? The, 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 do the palms still produce dates, basically? The palm trees, do they still produce dates? So they, they said, yes. As far as we know, yes, that still produces, yeah, the, 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 the palm trees there, they still produce dates. He said it will eventually stop producing dates. It won't be fruitful anymore. Then he said, tell me about the lake of Tabaria. Tell me about the lake of Tabaria, which is, again, a lake in Palestine. Okay, so it is a lake in Palestine as well. So they said, what do you want to know about the lake of Tabaria? So he said, uh, he asked, is there any water in the lake of Tabaria? They said, yeah, of course, there, it's a lake. Yeah, of course. He said, the water of the lake, here's the interesting part, the water of the lake will go away. It will dry. And by the way, this is connected to something significant that will happen. It didn't happen yet, but it will happen during the, the major signs, specifically during the time of Juj and Majuj, Gaga Magog, which is, we'll get to it, inshallah, in a few episodes from now. So he said, it will dry. This lake is going to dry. Then he said, tell me another thing. Tell me about the eye of Zuhur. The eye of Zuhur. And then they said, what do you want to know? Again, Ain Zuhur, is, uh, it's located in the south part of the lake of Tabaria. Now, that, that south part is basically is in Jordan. It's not in actually in Palestine. It's in Jordan. By the way, the word eye, the eye of Zohar, it means the spring. It's a spring, of, the spring of Zohar, which again, it's located in the south part of the lake of Tabaria in Jordan. And he said, tell me about the lake, uh, the, the, the spring of Zohar. And he, they, again, they said, what do you want to know about it? He said, is there water in that spring? And do people use the water to farm? And they said, yes. And yes, there's a lot of water in the spring of Zohar. Again, as far as we know, again, by the way, those people were traders. So they used to travel a lot and do a lot of trading, right? So that's how they know all these information. 
And uh, they said, yes, the people uh, there, the, the locals there, they use the water from the spring of Zor to, you know, farm and, and you know, produce uh, some vegetations and so forth. He said, okay, let me ask you the final question. And then I'm going to tell you who exactly am I. He said, tell me about, is there a prophet, a messenger of the illiterate, the illiterate messenger, okay, or the illiterate prophet? Is he already out? Was he already sent to mankind? And of course they said, yeah, he's out. He, he, uh, he showed up in Mecca. You know, and then he went to Yathrib. And for those of you who remember the season four, Yathrib was a word that basically is a nickname for Medina. And Yathrib was not a name that the Prophet liked because it was pre-Islam name. So uh, again, so they said he left Mecca. He he showed up in Mecca, and then he went to uh, to Medina. Then he asked, "Did are the Arabs uh, fighting him?" Did they start to fight him? Did they go to war with him? The Arabs of, of the Arabian Peninsula, basically, Quraysh and other, you know, tribes. They said yes. So he said, and what did he do to them? Like those locals, the Arabs who fought him, what, what, what happened? So they said, well, they basically went to war with him, but then many of them started, you know, uh, accepting Islam and they're following him now. He said, so this actually happened? This is literally the, 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 the dialogue that took place, which Tamim al-Dari in, in detail told the Prophet ﷺ. He said, oh, is that so? They, they actually started fighting him, and now some people are... By the way, this was not towards the end of Islam. The Prophet ﷺ was alive when this happened. This was in the middle of Islam, right? When certain uh, people from Quraysh started accepting Islam. So they told him, yeah, they fought him and then they, many of them are now accepting Islam and they are, you know, following him and following his teachings, basically, and his commands. So he said, is that so? And they said, yes. He said, well, good for them, literally. He said, literally in Arabic, it means good for them. That's good that they are following him. Otherwise, you know, they would be in, in big trouble. And we know that thus was a fact because those who kept fighting Islam and the Prophet ﷺ and tried to kill the Prophet ﷺ, they and, and insisted on that, they died or their destiny was basically horrible and terrible. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So anyway, he said, okay, now I asked you my questions. Let me tell you who, who I am and, and, or who am I. I am the Messiah. Messiah. He said that. I am the Messiah. أنا المسيح وإني أوشك أن يؤذن لي في الخروج It's a beautiful phrase Now, of course he's a disbeliever, a terrible human being But that phrase shows you the status of Allah Look what he's saying I will be giving a permission to emerge 
I will be giving a permission to emerge in the future. And it shows you, look, he's a disbeliever. And we already talked about some of the terrible things he will do. Of course, we know this is the Messiah, the fake Messiah, the the, the Messiah the Dajjal, the, the, the Antichrist, who will claim that he's the Messiah. But even then, he's admitting, I'm shackled right now. I'm chained because of Allah is not allowing me to go out right now. It's a beautiful phrase in that term that it shows the status of Allah. Allah shall give me permission, you Ali, to emerge. Then I will indeed emerge. I will break out of my shackles. And of course, we know, we talked about this in the last episode. He will break out of his shackles. He will emerge due to anger. Now, we are assuming that he will somehow be informed of the progression of the Muslims and how the Islam is increasing all, you know, uh, around the world. And that will cause him an extreme anger that he will, again, be given a permission. It's not by choice. He will be giving a permission to emerge right after that. And then he said, he kept telling them, I will walk on earth. I will leave this island and I will go to, the, you know, to earth, to everybody. And I will not leave a single town, a single place that that I wouldn't, you know, pass by. I will pass by every single town. Again, matches what we said last time and what the Prophet told us. And again, what the Prophet told us that he will walk and, and pass by every single town on earth. That was a different hadith, but it matches. That's why the Prophet is saying the hadith that I'm about to tell you when he was gathered everybody in the mosque it matches everything I told you about Dajjal before then Dajjal continues the Antichrist continues to talk to Tamim al-Dari and you know the rest of the men my reign basically on earth will be for 40 days now some of you might think only 40 days oh wait until you hear how those 40 days will pass but we'll we'll talk about this after inshallah uh, you know we finish this story so I, wa- I will go everywhere. Not a single, you know, I will pass by every single town on earth. Except for two places. Mecca and Tiba. Tiba is the nickname that the Prophet gave Medina. So again, a bit of, a, uh, you know, uh, information about history. The Prophet did not like the word or the name Yathrib that Medina was called. So the Prophet changed Yathrib to, after Islam and after the people of Medina accepted Islam, to Tiba. And Medina was still called the Medina. So Medina was a good name, but the Prophet preferred to call it Tiba. But of course, as we know right now, it's still called Medina, which is great because it's not called Yathrib anymore. So anyway, um, then he said, I won't be able to enter Mecca nor Medina. Okay, Mecca and Tiba. Mecca and Medina. Because, look at this, very interesting. They are forbidden upon me to enter. They are forbidden upon me to enter, both of them. And every time I would want to enter them, I will be met with an angel holding a sword. Preventing me from entering both cities or both places. And basically, the, 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 he's saying and something that we all know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has Mecca and Medina guarded by angels from specifically from the jail. Again, certain things could happen in Mecca and Medina that Allah will allow. Like I said, one of the things is that Allah will not let 
a foreigner attack Mecca and Medina. Mecca and Medina could be attacked by only by locals. This is a very interesting hadith that you know was told to us by the Prophet ﷺ. But anyway, then the Prophet that, that was basically that was it. That was the story. And the Prophet ﷺ now commented while he was talking to the people in the masjid about the story, and he said, "This is Tiba. This is Tiba." This is Tiba three times. Tiba meaning, like I said, the Medina. So he said, this is what he means by Tiba. This is Tiba. This is Tiba. And basically, uh, he told everybody, don't you, you know, didn't I tell you all of this? And then everybody said, oh yes, oh Prophet of Allah. And he said, I do like the story of Tamim al Of course, meaning I like the story of Tamim al means it's a true story. The Prophet was also informed. We know this. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, if somebody told him a lie, he would know that that person is lying. And if someone tells him the truth, he knows that it's the truth. So the Prophet said, I like the hadith of Tamim al-Dari or the story of the words of Tamim al-Dari. Uh, and it does indeed match everything I told you, even about Mecca and Medina. Because again, like I said, the Prophet said, no one can attack Mecca and Medina as a foreigner. That also matches this hadith. That's what the Prophet was talking about. Right? And basically that was it. That was the hadith. And that hadith proves that the, the jail or the Antichrist lives as right now, lives on an island shackled with some strange looking, you know, beast or animal. Now, let's talk about this hadith. Now, first of all, this hadith is uh, authentic hadith. There's no denying that. There's no doubt about it. But this hadith caused some controversy. Okay, it caused some controversy for a couple of reasons. First of all, nobody, not a single scholar. Now, this hadith, let me also make, make this clear. This hadith did not cause any controversy during the time of the Prophet. ﷺ. It caused controversy later on for when the scholars started to compile the hadith. And, you know, uh, with a very well-known scholars that, you know, they interpreted the hadith, they interpreted the Quran, came into the picture. But during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this hadith was normal. Yeah, this happened. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said this happened. That's it. That's it. There was no problem. The problem happened later on, like hundreds of years after. Now, the biggest controversy that this hadith, uh, you know, caused was... There was a hadith by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he said, uh, he was talking to the companions and he said, nobody you know, who is alive right now will be alive 100 years from now. You guys, remember, I, I even used this in, in previous episodes when I said, whoever's listening to the podcast won't be alive 100 years from now. That's a fact. Right? And the Prophet did that. I, and again, I took this from you know, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. When he was talking to the companion, he said, everybody, everybody who exists who is here right now won't be alive a hundred years from now. That contradicts the fact that there is a man, and we all know, the Prophet ﷺ even described him as a human being. He's not a non-human being. He's a human being, a Dajjal, the, the Antichrist. That contradicts the fact that Antichrist is a human being who is alive, who was alive during the Prophet ﷺ and still alive right now, until you know closer to the day of judgment he this is where he will emerge so that contradicts that hadith right what else let's let's put all the points of controversy and then inshallah answer all of them 
Now, another point of controversy is that they're saying that this hadith was narrated by one single companion, which is Fatima bint Qais. Which makes it, remember, if you go back to the the episode of the four uh, the four methods of, of, of sunnah or the four madhabs, right? The four methods of Islam. We said, of sunnah Islam, we said that from the, the science of hadith, the categories of hadith, there's something called hadith mutawatir, which is the most authentic part about the hadith, which is one hadith is heard and narrated by multiple companions at different times, right? And also, uh, there's something called hadith al-ahad, the single or the singular type of hadith, which is hadith is narrated by one companion. That makes it authentic if it's uh, if the authenticity is proven, like the chain of narrations. That's how we verify if the hadith is authentic or not by the chain of narrations. The people who narrated the hadith, if it's solid, it's it's of course authentic, but it's in a lesser, let's say, in a lesser category than the hadith mutawatir, which is narrated by multiple people. It logically makes sense. But it's still authentic. So some people say, well, there's only one companion who narrated the hadith. Okay, we'll address that as well. Also, if this Dajjal, let's say that he's going to live until, you know, close to the Day of Judgment. How old is he going to be? How old? Like, is he going to be like thousands of years? How, how is he going to do anything? How is he going to be able to do anything, right? So that's another thing. That's another claim. Also, if you want to nitpick, they said that, okay, we said that the jail is going to be, you know, uh, deformed, right? And he's going to be a, a short person with crooked legs. Of course, they didn't see if his legs were crooked or not, but like, how could he be intimidating, right? Like, again, they, and here's the thing. Now, these are all the, what I just told you right now are all the points of controversy regarding this hadith. Now, let's make this clear. Even we have a very few number of scholars, literally a couple among like hundreds of scholars. And when I say, again, when I say scholars, I'm talking about very specific names, very specific famous scholars, not today's scholars, not last year's scholars, not scholars who existed 50 years ago. We're talking about those at Thirmidhi. We're talking about Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Ibn Hajar, those like big name scholars, right? Those who compile the hadith. Now, when they, Ibn Uthaymeen, like some famous scholars, right? All those scholars, uh, from them, and like I said, we have hundreds of scholars with that caliber, very, a couple, literally a couple, one, two, three maximum, said that they didn't reject the hadith. They didn't say it was not authentic because they know it was authentic. It is authentic, right? But they said, There is something in the chest from this hadith. There's something problematic about the hadith. So even those few scholars were very respectful and careful because they know it's authentic. Very respectful and careful when they addressed it. They said something doesn't make sense about the hadith. We just don't know what it is. There's something about it. Literally, means there is something about it. It literally means there's something in the chest from it. So they said, uh, we know it's authentic. We, we believe in it. But there's something doesn't add up about this hadith. Okay, something a little problematic. And that is simply the controversy. All right. 
Let's talk about the controversy. Let's inshallah address every single point that we mentioned. Now, I want to start by telling you something very important, which is Al-Bukhari and Muslim, for those of you who heard the names before, are well known to be the most famous compilers of hadith. Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Those two beautiful, famous scholars, they're known to be the compilers the most famous now we have the Tirmidhi we have Sahih al-Jami' you know we have Sahih al-Nisa'i we have a lot of compilers but the most famous two is al-Muslim and Bukhari and even Bukhari a little bit tiny bit more famous just tiny bit more famous than Muslim okay now this hadith was not compiled in al-Bukhari Ooh, the plot thickens now. This hadith was not compiled in Bukhari. However, it was compiled in Muslim. And like I said, Muslim and Bukhari are known to be the most famous compilers of hadith. How do you explain that? Why did Al-Bukhari not compile this hadith with the rest of authentic hadith? Why? Well, the answer to that question is very simple. Al-Bukhari and Muslim did not compile all the authentic hadith, by the way. What do I, what do I mean by that? Not every single authentic hadith is in the Bukhari and Muslim, by the way. There are a lot of sahih, like uh, authentic hadith, outside of the Bukhari and Muslim. Like sahih al-Tirmidhi, for example. There are authentic hadith in the Tirmidhi, Sahih al-Jami'ah, Sahih al-Nisa'i, like I said. Many other compilers compiled authentic hadith that those hadith don't exist in al-Bukhari nor in al-Muslim. So it's simple. Al-Bukhari did not compile every single authentic hadith, nor al-Muslim, nor al-Tirmidhi. You know, that's why they all complete each other. Very, very logical, makes sense. To make it even better, Al-Bukhari one time, and this is uh, to show you how those giants used to be friends and talk to each other, At-Tirmidhi asked Al-Bukhari one time, and he said, what do you think of Hadith Al-Jassasa? The Hadith that we just talked about. Look at the response of Al-Imam Al-Bukhari. The one who didn't compile the Hadith, by the way, Right? Because now some people are trying to say, well, if Al-Bukhari did not compile the hadith, then that means he doesn't think it's authentic. Because we know that Al-Bukhari and Muslim and all those compilers would not compile weak uh, hadith nor uh, inaccurate or uh, inauthentic hadith, right? Because it was known that you know Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Al-Tirmidhi, Al-Nasai, Al-Jami', all those compilers would not compile Hadith, unless those hadith were confirmed and verified to be authentic. So now some people are saying, well, maybe Al-Bukhari didn't think that hadith was authentic. Well, of course, that, that doesn't explain how it's in Al-Muslim, right? How the Muslim compiled it, uh, Al-Imam Al-Muslim compiled it. And it doesn't explain why there are a lot of authentic hadith that are not compiled in Al-Bukhari, right? So that's not that doesn't make any sense, right? That claim does not make any sense. And again, like I said, what makes it better is that Tirmidhi, when he asked Al-Bukhari about the hadith, he said what? Al-Bukhari responded by saying, 
the hadith of Jassasa is 100% authentic. The chain of narrations are authentic. It is authentic, authentic, authentic. These are the words of Al-Bukhari, the one who didn't compile the hadith. So you cannot come and say, oh, Al-Bukhari didn't compile it because he didn't think it was authentic because that is simply not true because he said it was authentic. Okay? So that is that, talking about the authenticity of the hadith. Let's address the point that it's only narrated by one companion, which is Fatima bint Qais. Now, some people say, well, it's a singular hadith. It's authentic, okay, according to all the scholars. This is an authentic. The chain of narration has been proven, okay. But such a massive hadith about the Day of Judgment was narrated only by one single companion? Well, that is simply not true. For those who claim that, that is simply not true. By the way, everything I'm telling you is proven in history, in Islamic history. So these are not like speculations. These are documented historical incidents that took place within the uh, biography of the Prophet and afterwards, uh, you know, in Islamic history. Buckle up. Now, Fatima bint Qais, when she narrated the hadith, she went and told someone by the name of a Sha'ri or a Sha'ri, another companion, about the hadith. She told him, we were praying with the Prophet. Now, not all, by the way, not all the companions used to pray at the same time. Some of them were, you know, outside or out, out of town doing something or they were doing other stuff. So they wouldn't all pray at the same time. So that's why certain things move, like certain news move from one companion to another because not all companions used to pray at the same time. So she went and told Ashari about this hadith. Now, Ashari. This is coming from Ashari, by the way, himself, and coming from, again, other sources. Met the son of Abu Huraira. Who is Abu Huraira? For those who heard or attended the, the or listened to the fourth season, Abu Huraira is literally the most famous narrator of hadith. He used to live and breathe the hadith of the Prophet. He stayed and lived in a mosque, by the way, of the Prophet just to narrate the hadith. You want to guess how much Abu Huraira narrated? What what gave him the title of the most famous narrator of hadith? Do you want, do you want to guess the number? 5373 hadith. This is an estimate of course. You know give it give or take. Again, it's around 5373 hadith. Subhanallah, very impressive. Anyway, so Ashari, the one that you know Fatima bin Taqais told the hadith to, met the son of Abu Huraira. Okay, like they were whatever in a market or somewhere. And then Ashari was about to tell him that he's like, Whoa, you know, Fatima bin Taqais told me this incredible hadith about Tamim al Dari. And he started telling the hadith and then the son of Abu Huraira stopped him and he said, by Allah, my father already told me this hadith. And he literally even told him and then this happened and they went on an island, which means what? The most famous narrator of hadith, Abu Huraira himself, also narrated the hadith to his son at least. 
Of course, he told other people, but at least to his son. This is the confirmed interaction that we have. So this is Abu Huraira, number two, right? Also, later on, a Shari, also the same, the same companion, met someone by the name of Al-Qais ibn Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr. You guys, is there any familiar name here? Mm, give you a second to guess. Abu Bakr at the end. Who was the grandson of Abu Bakr? Who is Abu Bakr? The best friend of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, Al-Qais, the grandson of Abu Bakr, is also the nephew of Aisha, the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. Again, the daughter of Abu Bakr is who? Is Aisha, right? The wife of the Prophet ﷺ. And uh, Muhammad ibn Abu Bakr is the brother. Ibn means the son. Muhammad, the son of Abu Bakr, is also the brother of Aisha. Right? So Muhammad is the brother of Aisha, the son of Abu Bakr. His son, Al-Qais, is the nephew of Aisha. Makes sense, right? He met Ash-Shari, the, the nephew of Aisha, the, the, the grandson of Abu Bakr, met Ash-Shari. And again, Ash-Shari you know, started telling him about this incredible hadith about the jail and the island and everything. And then what did he say? What did Al-Qais say? By Allah, my aunt told me the same hadith. Aisha, the wife of the Prophet wasallam, told her nephew the hadith and the nephew confirmed with Ash-Shari, yes, I've heard this from my aunt as well. And then there's Jabir, the hadith Jabir. He also heard it, you know, from someone else. So the notion that uh, the hadith was only narrated by Fatima bint Qais is simply incorrect. It's incorrect. And it's, guys, it's, it's, it's narrated by giants. You have Aisha, the wife of the Prophet You have Abu Huraira, the most famous narrator of the hadith. You know? So that is addressing this point that it's only narrated by one companion. No, it wasn't. And that upgrades the hadith from a singular hadith, hadith ahadi, to a mutawatir hadith. A hadith that is basically agreed upon by multiple narrators. Beautiful. Okay. Let's talk about the contradictions now. Now we got the authenticity. Now let's talk about the contradictions that were mentioned. They say that it contradicted another hadith by the Prophet ﷺ when he said that none of you will live a hundred years from now. None of you will exist on the face of the earth a hundred years from now. Well, first of all, the Prophet ﷺ could have been just talking about the group sitting in front of him. It's that simple. Because he didn't say not a single human being. This is the, literally the, 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 the wording of the hadith was not every single human being who's alive right now won't exist 100 years from now. He said, none of you, none of this group, none of you. And, and then some scholars interpreted the word none of you that it extends to the rest of mankind. But that's simply not true. Because the Prophet could have easily said, not a single human who is alive right now will be alive 100 years from now. Instead, he said, none of you will be alive a hundred years from now. None of this gathering. So that is not a contradiction. You get it? The Prophet was talking about just the group that he was talking to, of you know, the companions. 
you want a bigger proof that yeah there could be someone who's alive and will be alive until you know the day of uh, until even the day of judgment and even before the day of judgment in the chapter of araf verse number 15 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us the story of Satan coming to him. Remember, we, we, we mentioned this multiple times. When Satan begged Allah, asked Allah to keep him immortal until, of course with a limited time, not forever, until the day of resurrection, the day of judgment. When Satan said to Allah in the, in, in, in the chapter of Araf, verse number 14 now, Satan told Allah, Oh Allah, Delay my death. Andhirni meaning delay my death until the day of judgment. Look at verse number 15 now. What did Allah say? This is key here. Allah said, Okay, you shall be from the delayed ones. He didn't tell him, You are mundar. You are. You will be delayed. You will be immortal. He said you shall be from the immortals until a specific date or the delayed ones, the ones that I will delay their death until I you know, wish so or will. You shall be from al-mundarin, from those who will be delayed. Interesting, right? That simply shows that Satan is not the only one who is immortal. Who is Because we know that Satan is alive right now, right? We know that. Satan is the only jinn who does not die until the day of judgment until the day of judgment allah will take his life and then will resurrect him with the rest of you know humans and jinn and then he will be punished for eternity in hellfire that is satan we know that but from this verse allah said qala innaka min al-mundarin you shall be from those who will be immortal until a specific time or in other words you shall be from those who you know their death will be delayed from those min al-mundarin this is very fascinating. That means Satan is not the only one. Do you guys know anyone who is alive right now? Other than Satan? No. That means there are others that we don't know about. And from this hadith, of course, we know that the Antichrist or the Jal is one of them. You guys get it? It's, it's fascinating. Also, also, the idea that he is not aging. Like, how old will he be when he is, you know, emerges, right? Well, usually people or beings that Allah keep them alive for a specific amount of time don't age, such as Satan. Satan, I mean, we don't have a text that whether he's going to age or not, but we're assuming that he won't age. You want a better proof? Okay, let's look at the chapter of Kaf, verse number 25 which is basically tells some of the stories in the chapter, tells the story of the people of the cave. The kaf in Arabic means cave. Now, there were a young group, I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's a long story, but basically in a nutshell, there was a group of young men with their dog who kind of were in, in, a, in, a, in a town that was filled with corruption. And they did not want to be part of this town. They were righteous. They wanted to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They did not want to be from the disbelievers. So they went and they were trying to flee the town and they passed by a cave and then they went to sleep in that cave. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look at this, this is an incredible story. Let them sleep for how long? How long? 309 years. 
ولبثوا في كهفهم 300 سنين وازدادوا تسعا الله saying 309 years they were asleep they were not dead well technically if you want to call they died and then Allah resurrected them but they were asleep Allah didn't say they died they were asleep for 309 years it's a very famous story the people of the kahf of the cave but guess what when they woke up what happened they were the same age they went to sleep woke up after 309 years they didn't age a day they did not age a day so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable again this is, this is the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is capable of letting those people stay the same age and not aging it's very simple it's not a big deal you know I mean if Allah is capable of keep making you technically immortal until a specific time you don't think Allah is capable of keeping you the same age that you are in no Allah is capable of anything another proof Another story from the Quran, the chapter of Baqarah, verse number 259. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to someone by the name of Udair. Udair. He was from the children of Israel and he was passing by a village. And then he said to himself, uh, the village, everybody in it was dead, basically. The people were died in that village. So he said, how would Allah resurrect such people? Then what happened? Again, he went to sleep, woke up a hundred years later. A hundred years later, same age. You want to know what's even better? Allah said that, that this is in the verse uh, number 259. So he had a donkey with him and he had food and drinks and, and water. He went to sleep and woke up a hundred years later. Guess what happened? His food was not spoiled. Water was not, you know, spoiled. His donkey was still the same age, alive, and he was the same age. Beautiful story, by the way, in the chapter of Baqarah. Go check it out. Allah is showing people, yeah, I can make you go to sleep, kill you, basically, because we said that sleeping is part of death, right? Like it's the minor death. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let him go to sleep, woke him up a hundred years later. So for those who think it's odd that the Antichrist would be alive right now. How will he still be still alive until closer to the Day of Judgment? You have multiple proofs from the Quran that this is totally possible. And again, the biggest proof is, Allah said, there will be other people who will be immortal until a specific time. When he was talking to Satan. You shall be one from those, you know, from those who might be delayed until a specific time. Like their death will be delayed. So there's no problem here. There's no contradiction. By the way, many big scholars, and by the way, these are the, the responses from the major scholars to, to those who had issues. Again, none of them said that this hadith was not authentic or you know problematic in a big deal. They said, we just feel something about it. you know. But even the other big scholars were responding like, what are you talking about? Here are the proof that contradicts what you're claiming. That this is So that makes everything in this hadith makes perfect sense. Now, I want to actually touch on uh, something that uh, even it's a deeper analyzing of the hadith, which is this. If you look at the hadith of Tamim al-Dari, right? the hadith of Jassasa, the island of the Antichrist, 
Then you go back to the hadith or the stories of Ibn Sayyad. Remember Ibn Sayyad, the, 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 the Jewish person who lived in Medina, who basically the companions, or some of the companions, they believed that he was the Antichrist and he became a Muslim. And, you know, he the companions were still avoiding him. The Prophet ﷺ was silent about it. Uh, and, of course, the Prophet ﷺ was silent about it because he did not know. He didn't have an opinion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not reveal anything when it, when it came to that matter. So that's why that was actually from the mannerisms of the Prophet ﷺ that he wouldn't say, yes, yes, that's my opinion. I think he is or I don't think he is. The Prophet ﷺ never spoke unless he was certain. Okay? That's why the Prophet ﷺ was, you know, uh, silent about it. But again, nonetheless, some of the companions believed until he disappeared. And we mentioned the story, the full story in the last episode, that he was the Antichrist, right? Now, if you think about it, on the surface, on the surface, these two stories contradict one another. The story of the island of Tamim al-Dari and the story of Ibn Sayyad, they kind of contradict each other, again, on the surface. How? Well, you have to ask yourself a question. How did the companions believe the story of Tamim al-Dari, which, by the way, was confirmed 100% by the Prophet wasallam? That means it's authentic. That, that, that means, by the way, what happened with Tamim al-Dari happened before he was a Muslim, but even then he was known to be a very honest man. By the way, one of his most famous reputation uh you know uh, or, or or characteristic or mannerisms thing about him is that he was a very honest man so he doesn't lie and after of course he became a muslim he went and told the prophet the story and at the same time you know like now the companions believe the story because the prophet of course because tamim daddy said it but more importantly because the prophet verified it because again if somebody lied to the prophet or or told a lie Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately informs the Prophet ﷺ, like, ha- like ha- what happened with him and the, the, the hypocrites, the munafiqun of Medina, the hypocrites of Medina. We mentioned the story in, uh, in season four. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately informs the Prophet ﷺ, right? Now, if the companions believed in that story, that the, the, the Antichrist, that the Dajjal is living on an island, waiting to be, you know, break free, to be exposed to the world, to reveal himself, and so on and so forth. How come some of them believe that Ibn Sayyad was also the Antichrist, who lived in Medina with them? Wouldn't that be contradicting? Think about it. Wouldn't it be contradicting? You know, because again, you can't believe that the Antichrist existed in two places at the same time. That was, that's not in his, you know, one of his superpowers or abilities, not that we know of. He can't exist in two places at the same time. So how come, again, the companions, all the companions who heard the story of Tamim al-Dari believed that that Antichrist is living on an island. And at the same time, some companions, and famous companions, by the way, not the elite, but some of the famous companions, believed that Ibn Sayyad, who lived with them in Medina, is the Antichrist until he disappeared, like we said in the last episode. Wouldn't that be contradicting these two stories? Like, how come? Well, let's propose uh, uh, an explanation. For, for that specific uh, you know 
quote-unquote contradiction or on the surface contradiction. Let's lay down some facts. Let's, you know, let's, let's uh, list some facts first. The first fact is that we do not know the timelines of the majority of the hadith or the stories that we hear from the biography of the Prophet We even mentioned that in season four. The timelines, they're vague or ambiguous uh, for us. That's why, because there was no calendar, there was no dates, right? So we don't know what happened before what. Even for, you know, when, when we're talking about the major signs, right? We said what? The Prophet ﷺ did not list them according to a specific order. He just listed them. And the, 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 the scholars, they basically derived the, 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 the chronological order according to logical hadith and logical texts from the Quran and the Sunnah. You get it? So so again, timelines when it comes to the the, 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 the biography of the Prophet, hence the Sunnah, hence the hadith, is always ambiguous, which is fine. It doesn't affect the commands of the Prophet. It does not affect anything, the stories we hear. We don't really need to know what happened before when. Well, of course, in certain cases we know for sure. But in many other cases we don't. Like for example, when the Prophet ﷺ, you know, gives us a hadith about how to perform salah, right? How to pray. Do you really need to know when exactly that took place? No, you need to know that the Prophet ﷺ was authentic. The chain of narration makes sense. You know, it's solid, and the the, the, the scholars verified it. Okay, so okay, now I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna follow the hadith. When the Prophet ﷺ tells us to, you know, do certain things. Uh, or tells a story about certain things, about the jail or about the day of judgment or about anything. Do you really need to know when did he say that according to other hadith? No, it really doesn't matter if you think about it. We just need to get the information. So whenever we receive, so that now what I'm trying to make clear is that whenever we receive a hadith, authentic hadith, of course, that's verified authentic. And there's, you know, you can go online and figure it out. It's very easy to find out if there's a hadith that is authentic or not. Like there's a website uh, there, there's like a website called Islam Web. That's that's one of the websites that you can go back to uh, and and you know make sure that there's a specific hadith of whether it's authentic or not. There's also Islam Q and A or QA, I believe Islam QA. So there are multiple websites again out there. But my point is, when you receive an authentic hadith, it's it comes to us in full context. You don't have to worry about oh when was it. Uh, stated when the Prophet when did he say that it won't make a difference sometimes it will and those times we know when it happened like all the hadith regarding the night of Isra and Ma'raj of course happened during the Meccan time before the Prophet moved to Medina we know that for a fact because the night of Isra and Ma'raj took place before the immigration to Medina so you, you get what I'm saying. So you don't have to like, okay, we, we don't need to know every, like the dates of every single hadith that we received. It doesn't make sense and it won't matter to us, okay? So I just want to make that fact clear. We do not know the timelines of many of the hadith or many of the stories. Okay, like what happened before what? Which means that we do not know which story happened first. Was it the story of Tamim al-Dari or was it the, 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 the idea or the fact, I don't want to say the rumor, but the, the idea that Ibn Sayyid could possibly be the Antichrist. We don't know which one happened first. Did Tamim al-Dari come to the Prophet ﷺ, told him the story, then later on 
uh, the, the, the Ibn Sayyad started acting weird and, you know, the rumor spread, or again, not the rumor, the idea that Ibn Sayyad was the Antichrist, that it start to, you know, the, the idea of that started to spread after Tamim came and talked to the Prophet ﷺ in Medina? Or did the idea of Ibn Sayyad be possibly being, because, by the way, the companions knew about the Antichrist before Tamim. Tamim just came to verify what the Prophet ﷺ told him before. We already mentioned that, Right? So now, the idea that Ibn Sayyid, because he was talking to the jinn, he was doing weird things, uh, the idea that he could be the Antichrist was, again, spread uh, you know, among the companions, and some of them believed it, some of them didn't. Then Tamim al-Dari came and told his story. We don't know which happened first, okay? I want to make that clear. There's no explicit text that tells you that. That's number one. Number two. We know for a fact that the story of Tamim al-Dari itself, the story of the island, when they discovered the island and then they met the, the Antichrist, that happened way before Tamim al-Dari became a Muslim. So that happened years, probably years, before Tamim al-Dari talked to the Prophet ﷺ, before this hadith took place in the masjid, in the gathering, when the Prophet ﷺ gathered everyone to tell them the story of Tamim. That was years after the actual story took place. Don't forget that. Tamim was a Christian when this story happened to him, when he uh, interacted with the Antichrist. Okay? So that's another fact that we need to uh, make clear. A third fact is that Tamim al-Dari most likely, most likely, did not see the face of the Antichrist. How do we know? The Arabs at the time used to, because the Tamim al-Dari described everything to the Prophet ﷺ, right? He never described the actual physical look of that man, of the Antichrist, the, the man who was on the island. He never described the actual physical look. And usually, usually, when a, uh, again, like the Arabs used to, when they talk about someone with that, like, you know, someone who's intimidating, someone who's asking weird questions, they would describe the physical attributes of that person but they instead Tamim al described his status right he, that, that his state how he was he was chained you know he was he was not sitting nor he was standing he was on his knees and he was in a like a temple probably a dark temple and think about it logically if you walk in inside of a temple and you see a man looking like that and then just creepy looking or intimidating looking or freaky looking and and you probably you know chained everywhere you won't really get that close to him to have a conversation you're gonna be very cautious and you're gonna maintain distance right you're gonna maintain your distance and and you know try to like you know get this going answer his questions you answer you know he answers your questions and you, you want to just leave right it's logically speaking you're not going to have a very intimate conversation and get a close and look into his eyes and whatever so most likely again logically speaking tamimi daddy has not seen the exact facial uh, features or the face or what he looks like when it comes to the jet right that's another thing to put in consideration uh, something else that we do not know, there is no text, there is no nothing that Tamim al-Dari ever met Ibn Sayyid. We don't have any incident in Nasira, in the biography. We don't have any hadith, anything that says that Ibn Sayyid interacted with Tamim al-Dari. So we don't know if this interaction even took place. What else? 
We know that, and I mentioned it earlier, that some of the companions believe that Ibn Sayyad is the Antichrist or was the Antichrist. Some of them believed, not all of them. Okay, so that is also important to you know point out. The Prophet ﷺ himself was always quiet when it came to Ibn Sayyad because he didn't receive an answer. Now, later on, we know, because here's the thing, Ibn Sayyad living in Medina does not contradict that the Antichrist will come towards the end of time. Because some might say, well, wait, wait, isn't the Antichrist supposed to come at the, towards the end of time? He's supposed to come towards the end of time. So why are the companions thinking that he's with them now? Like he is, he showed up and he broke free. Well, you have to understand that that doesn't mean that he will expose himself or reveal himself to be the Antichrist during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Because what we know, what the Prophet ﷺ verified is that he is from those who are delayed, right? He His death will be delayed until, you know, the, the, the end of his time when it comes to the future, like after, you know, God knows how many years from now. But the Prophet ﷺ knew that. So him living in Medina is not really a crazy of an idea because he did not tell, like he did not reveal himself as the Antichrist. He did not say, I'm a prophet because he, that's what he would start by saying, I'm the Messiah, right? I'm a prophet, follow me. Then a lot of people will think he's crazy. Then later on, he's going to say, I'm God, right? Like I'm God. And then again, of course, the disbelievers, when he will act in a very supernatural kind of way, people will start following him. You get it. So him, again, I want to get one point clear. Him living in Medina does not contradict that he will come back towards the end of time because he could live in Medina and he disappeared. Remember, he disappeared completely, which caused you know scholars to wonder, well, what was that? And then the companions believe that he will, to, to you know, during the end of times or, you know, close to the end of time or, you know, during the major signs, he will reappear and he was gonna you know reveal himself to be the Dajjal or you know God he's gonna claim divinity so it doesn't contradict okay so now what about Tamim al-Dari versus Ibn Sayyid now we know the facts we have facts we have some logical conclusions right so now what do we make of this it's simple let's take a practical scenario if Tamim al-Dari's story took place before the idea that Ibn Sayyad is the Antichrist. So Tamimi Dari came, told the story. That of course the story happened years years before. The companions learned the story. The Prophet verified it. They know that, you know, the Antichrist is alive. Then Ibn Sayyad, who has been, you know, uh, dealing with the jinn as a Jewish person, and you know, later on, again, we don't know how many years ago. That's that's what I'm trying to tell you. Maybe again maybe that the companions thought oh well he met the antichrist talking about tamim daddy he met the antichrist on the island years ago and now he's here now the antichrist is here right now the antichrist is in medina and now we believe that that's you know and when tamim daddy came and he basically told the story now it made them even believe that idea you know even more that they believe all well, this is probably what tamim told us about now there's possibly that Tamim al-Dari said, I never seen the guy's face. I don't know if that's him or not. I cannot verify uh, if that's the actual guy that I met on the island. We don't know. That could have been a scenario. Another scenario is that Tamim al-Dari never met Ibn Sayyad. So that means he never verified it. And that's what kept the... By the way, the companions were not sure. They were just, you know, almost sure. 
they were like this guy acts weird he talks to the jinn again they took all that uh, uh, you know clues from the previous hadith of the prophet basically thinking that this guy fits the profile so yeah tamim that story could have happened before which made the companions start to speculate this guy probably is what tamim told us about he's acting weird he was contacting the jinn and yeah he's not revealing himself yet because he said, what, one day I'm going to be allowed, Allah will allow me to break free and tell the people, you know, who I am and, and you know, I'm going to walk everywhere on earth and so forth, so on and so forth. So they still, he still could live in Medina without doing that yet. He will break free later as the Antichrist. So that's one explanation. Another one is the opposite. They always knew about Tamim, uh, Ibn Sayyid. They always suspected the whole idea that Ibn Sayyid might be the Antichrist. Because again, it's not be, they're not being mean. It's what he did to himself. He used to communicate with the jinn a lot. He used to try to steal, remember? Information about the Quran. And he would not get the full information because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't allow him to. And wouldn't allow the jinn who are helping him. And we know that for a fact. Right? So he did that. He, he made himself you know, a bad rep. A bad reputation. He caused it. Anyway, so they were always suspecting, again, not all the companions. I want to make that clear. Some of the companions, they always, you know, suspected that this this guy, Ibn Sayyad, he might be the Antichrist that the, that the Prophet ﷺ warned us about. Then Tamim al comes and tells the story, and he says, years ago, I met a guy on an island, and then, you know, because we don't know where Ibn Sayyad came from. Like, how did he appear in Medina? Where was he before Medina, right? So those companions connected the dots. Oh, so Ibn Tamim al said that this guy is alive and well, and now with the stories of the Prophet yeah, this guy definitely is, is Ibn, you know, Ibn Sayyid is definitely that guy. He is the Antichrist. You get it? So it, there's nothing contradicting here. Because the... the you have to understand that the certain companions had fear that Ibn Sayyid might be the Antichrist. Imagine living with the Antichrist in Medina. That's kind of freaky. Before he even becomes the Antichrist, still freaky, right? So they were confused about their, okay, the, we, what we know for a fact, that's basically the companions saying, some of the companions. What we know for a fact is that, you know, the Antichrist is alive. We know that for a fact. Ibn Sayyid is alive. He's with us. He could have left the island and now he's living with us. He didn't reveal himself yet. Maybe that will happen towards the end of time, like the Prophet when he said, this is going to happen after the Mahdi, after the Armageddon, the Great War. They know that. But they're afraid that they're living with the guy before he even becomes, this is the future Dajjal. This is the future Antichrist. And that's what caused the, 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 some of the companions to freak out about Ibn Sayyid. It's that simple. It's really not contradicting nor it's confusing, right? It could be confusing to them because they don't know who it is, especially when the Prophet ﷺ never confirmed that Ibn Sayyad was the Antichrist. And we know for a fact that he wasn't. The majority of the scholars, like actually the overwhelming majority of the scholars later on, they said he was a minor Dajjal. He was not the actual Dajjal. Because, of one of the, one, he, because Ibn Sayyad had kids, had children, biological ch- children, which means he's not the Antichrist. So the Prophet ﷺ, one of the things is that he will never have children about the Dajjal. One of the things that he told us about the Antichrist, that the Antichrist will never have his own children, biological children, and Ibn Sayyad does not fit the profile. You tell me, there's an explicit hadith right now that the Antichrist will never have children. 
Ibn Sayyad had children. He became a Muslim because the, another hadith that says the Antichrist is going to be a complete disbeliever. Come on, someone who's, go, who's going to claim that he is God. Ibn Sayyad is a Muslim. Those hadith within themselves contradict the fact that Ibn Sayyad is the Antichrist. Yet, certain companions, some of the companions still believed that he could be, not 100% of course, that he could be, they were just worried about him. You know what I mean? They, like This guy, I don't know if it's him or not. I mean, there are hadith that the Prophet told us about, like he's going to have children, he is a complete disbeliever, he's going to claim divinity. Maybe that didn't happen yet. Maybe this is going to happen, but then... He has biological children. Even with those hadith, they were still confused. Do you guys understand? They were still confused. So that makes perfect sense that even with the hadith of Tamim al-Dari, the, the uh, Antichrist is on, on an island, he lives on an island, they will still be confused that this also still could be Ibn Sayyad. So I want to conclude this. I know this is a very kind of a deep analytical uh point about this or these two situations these two stories but i want you to understand because i don't want you yourself to get confused the companions were confused about ibn sayyad certain companions not all of them were confused they were not 100 percent sure for of course they were not 100 percent sure but they were confused they, they they felt wrong about that guy for things he did you know and they were so confused that even when the Prophet ﷺ said that he will have no children, talking about the Antichrist, while Ibn Sayyid has children, they still had doubts that Ibn Sayyid still could be the Antichrist. Even though there is an explicit hadith that Ibn uh, the Antichrist won't have children. There's another hadith by the Prophet ﷺ that the Antichrist is a complete disbeliever. He will claim divinity. Ibn Sayyid took to shahada, became a Muslim. Even with those explicit hadith coming from the Prophet ﷺ, they were still confused about Ibn Sayyid. Now comes, you know, if, if Tamim al-Dari's hadith comes to them, they heard it, right? That the Jail or the Antichrist lives on an island right now. They will still be confused about Ibn Sayyid because, do you, you guys understand? They were still doubting that this guy was the Antichrist even though there were other hadith that are contradicting the fact that Ibn Sayyid was the Antichrist. I just want to make that clear. So that makes both hadith, the Tamim al-Dari, and the stories of Ibn Sayyid, they never contradict because the, some of the companions who believed that Ibn Sayyid was the Antichrist were confused anyway. They were confused anyway. Okay? So I just want to make that clear. And as a matter of fact, the fact that the, some of the companions believed that Ibn Sayyid uh, might have been the Antichrist is a further proof of the hadith of Tamim al-Dari because they believe that he was alive at the time and then one day in the future he will reveal himself because some of the companions believe that the Antichrist is alive and they thought it was some of them thought it was Ibn Sayyad makes sense some of you might say why didn't the Prophet ﷺ confirm that Ibn Sayyad was not the Antichrist when he had children isn't the Prophet ﷺ himself the one who said that the Antichrist will have no children, don't forget, he had children after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. So up until the death of the Prophet ﷺ, Ibn Sayyid did not have children. Okay? That's why the Prophet ﷺ never confirmed nor denied the fact that Ibn Sayyid 
was the Antichrist because he never, he fit the profile until the Prophet died. He did fit the profile in certain aspects. You know, he took his shahada later on, but then this could be fake because he might claim divinity later on. He never had children during the time of the Prophet Wasallam. Again, the Prophet never knew. And above all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never informed. It was like a test for the believers, by the way. Many of the scholars say that this was a test to see how the believers are going to react without being mean, without bullying, you know, because the Prophet never confirmed anything, right? Also, it is said that him disappearing, that's one of the opinions of the scholars. Ibn Sayyid disappearing was a mercy from Allah, so the companions won't still be in terms of like, in this crazy confusion or crazy doubt Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to remove the test Of Ibn Sayyid from the Muslims By making him disappear And Allah knows best We don't know But this is just a speculation by the scholars And the Prophet also thought That you know Never denied that Ibn Sayyid Might not be the, the Antichrist For one reason He could have lived with them But then later on towards the end of time After the Mahdi He will reveal himself to be the Antichrist. We don't know that. So the Prophet never knew any answer to that until the day he died. That's why he never said anything. And that was definitely the right thing to do. When Allah doesn't tell, especially when you're someone who speaks to Allah, and Allah doesn't tell you, uh, you know, the, 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 an answer. Give, the, Allah doesn't give you an answer regarding a very controversial question that's going on in Medina. You stay quiet. I don't know. Allah, if Allah wanted to answer me, he would have answered me, but Allah never did. And at the end of the day, Allah kind of proved to the Muslims later on by making the uh, Ibn Sayyid have children. And even though they, some of them still didn't, you know, didn't buy it that he's not the Antichrist, Allah made him completely disappear. And again, the idea that Allah made him disappear is just an opinion of the scholars. We don't know what happened. Again, Ibn Sayyid is a big question mark in Islamic history, but. 98%, 99% they believe that he is not the real Antichrist. Just to you know, put that to rest. We've, we spent too long talking about this point, but I just want to make that, the, I hope that it didn't add to the confusion. I just want to make that clear. Uh, I wanted to just make it you know, easier for you to understand, just in case if you wonder, uh, would, that, would, would Tamim Adari contradict Ibn Sayyad? No, it doesn't, alhamdulillah. Now, the last point that, Again, it's a very minor point of controversy when basically we know that the jail or the Antichrist is going to be have deformities and he's going to be a short man uh, and not like, you know, someone who's like big and great and powerful. How were they intimidated? Why was Tamim Daddy and he, the, 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 his, you know, the rest of the people that were with him on, uh, on the ship, why were they intimidated by his looks? Now, how short or tall you are, or if you're deformed or whatever, has nothing to do with whether you are intimidating or not. You know, tall people could be intimidating, short people could be intimidating. It depends on the circumstances, and of course, from the story we heard, all the circumstances surrounding that meeting between Tamim Daddy and the 30 men with the Antichrist was freaky. And it was scary and it was intimidating. And the fact that someone is shackled and chained by God, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that manner, is intimidating. Think, put yourself in that, you know, in the, that group's shoes or the, those people's shoes. 
it's freaky. And you're not going to spend time to look. I was like, is he tall? Is he short? Is he, you know, fat? Or is he skinny? Or is he, what is, it doesn't matter. The person was intimidating just by looking at him. And again, they didn't have a good look at him. They didn't. The circumstances did not allow it. Now, the last thing is, why would Allah allow a group of people to see the Antichrist, to see a Dajjal, to go on that island? Right? Why would Allah allow that? Well, for a very simple reason, for us to know that he exists right now. And Allah allowed and willed for this to happen in that specific way. Right? They were tired. By the way, think about it. They were tired. They were on a ship in extreme weather and extreme, you know, strong waves for a month, for a whole month. They were exhausted. They were tired. So their vision of them was hazy. They didn't have a lot of detail. They didn't want to take a good look at him because they were already freaking out after a long time on that ship in the middle of, you know, the water. Now... They're met with a beast that talks and then they see a man who looks intimidating while he's shackled. They, it, it was hazy and Allah wanted it to be that way because Allah didn't want a lot of details just for us to know the idea that that guy exists and he knows that he will be the greatest trial on earth. That's, that, that's why Allah would allow it for us to know about this. Now, don't try to go find him. You, because you won't. Allah, by the way, when they got out and they talked to the Prophet they don't even know how to go back to that island, which is proves that Allah wanted this to be a one experience, a one event, a one situation, and that was it. No one will be able to find him again. And again, there's no text that says that no one will be able to find him. I'm assuming no one will be able to find him again. And there's a lot of weird theories that the 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 Bermuda Triangle is is where his island is, and that's why a lot of ships and planes disappear. I don't know, honestly. I don't entertain this idea because there was a like a I saw a documentary talking about the scientific reasoning behind the Bermuda Triangle. Again, don't believe in it. Do not overthink it. He's out there. So, and by the way, the fact that because uh, certain people have problems. With the idea that the Antichrist is out there some, so, somewhere And he can't be found Really? He can't be found? Guess who's out there somewhere And the numbers are far more than one person One human being And I, I know I don't want to jump the gun But the nation of Gog and Magog The nation of Yajuj and Majuj, Which we'll talk about very soon in a, few, in a couple of episodes Which are another major sign like I said this is an entire nation of people, not one man like the Antichrist. It's an entire nation that they are alive as we speak right now. And Allah is blocking them from the world through a specific wall that none of us can see. And they keep digging that wall. I don't see, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's an entire nation that's alive right now. Same scholars who have a problem that the Antichrist is alive. They don't have a problem with that, uh, the, the, the idea that the entire nation of Jews or Gog and Magog are alive. Which is, but again, they have certain hadith that they believe that it was a contradiction, but then the other scholars responded with the responses that I gave you. So it's that simple. Uh, I hope that we learn, and this is a very interesting story, beautiful story, and it shows that, yeah, that guy's out there somewhere, 
and he will be freed from his shackles. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from him. And inshallah, the next episode, we'll talk about what exactly will happen when he emerges. We'll talk about his reign and his era and his age on earth, uh, which is, like I said, 40 days. And we'll talk about how the 40 days will pass and everything. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.